Say the name, LaVisca Chenault Jr., uh, and also Herm Edwards. He rides again, my friends. All that and more on this week's Eligible Receivers. I'm Warren. He's Eric. Let's start the show. Hello, blog fans. Well, you work all week on trying to identify who the eligible receivers are. This is Eligible Receivers, the show where we review last week's Pac-12 action, pick next week's Pac-12 games against the spread, and keep track of how we're doing on our picks over the course of the season. With Eric, I'm Warren, and let's get right into last week's action. Starting off in Houston, Arizona, Khalil Tate, Kevin Sumlin needed a week to get right, figure out how to use Khalil Tate. They got their doors blown off against Houston and to Eric King. D. Eric King, I believe, is how they were saying it. Uh, no, I got, a bone, I got a bone to pick with you about this. Yeah. About Eric guy. So you brought to my attention last week that he revolutionized the name Eric with a D apostrophe. Yeah. And you made no mention of the fact that he rounds that thing out with a Q. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. That's, uh, I, come on. that's, come an, on. that's an oversight. I'm sorry. A lifetime, a lifetime of answering the question. Now, is that with a C or a K? And I could have this whole time been like, it's with a Q, bitch. <laughs> I mean, he, it's revolutionary on so many fronts. I love it. I just love it. He's, he's, he's disrupted the Eric game. I mean, this is like some, you know, like if this was an app. Like everybody in the Eric business would be terrified. It's fantastic. I looked at that and I was like, "That guy never mentioned to me that he finished this thing off with a Q." I like I almost didn't even see the, the apostrophe because I was just enraptured by the Q. <laughs> yeah, because like you'll see the odd Eric with a CK sometimes, yeah. but yeah. rarely with a Q. I don't know if I've ever seen that before. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, the game sucked. The uh, game sucked. Yeah. Uh, it was 31 nothing uh, in the first half. Uh, Houston. So that was that. And the second half was pretty pedestrian. And Houston kicked the shit out of Arizona. Yeah, I think, I think Houston got it to 38-0 before Arizona was fighting back. And then Arizona, uh, to their credit, scored the next 16 points and got to the one-yard line. Uh, with about six minutes to go to get it to 38-23, two scores, and promptly got goal line standard against. And then, you know, Houston tacked on another touchdown as a final fuck you. But, yeah, I mean, this is this is an abysmal start for Arizona, a team that was coming back with some promise that, like, was a sneaky threat in the South pretty deep to last season. And they just looked like trash against Houston. This is not how we expected the state of Arizona to be playing football this this far into the season. You got Arizona, uh, you know, in the dumps. You got Arizona State, you know, beating Big Ten schools, which we'll talk about later. This is just a complete reversal of the Arizona scenario that we had all envisioned. Yeah, and and maybe it's our fault, you know. But I mean, Arizona, I don't feel like it's my fault. But Arizona State, maybe we should have seen coming. Uh, but we'll get to yeah. that uh, next up. Let's take. Uh, Oklahoma was at home against UCLA. Chip Kelly, fresh off losing his home opener to Cincinnati, went on the road in a game where nothing was expected of UCLA, and they delivered nothing. Uh, Forty-nine to twenty-one, Oklahoma, big-time winners. Yeah, we. I mean, we we ultimately picked this game incorrectly because Oklahoma was a thirty and a half point favorite, and they you know only 
Uh, UCLA managed to keep it within 28, so good for them, I guess. But uh going to be a long season down in Westwood. They don't have a lot of talent. And, you know, Oklahoma with a true freshman starting quarterback, I get, I get that Kyler Murray is an amazing athlete with his baseball exploits and whatnot, but um, yeesh, if you're Chip Kelly, this is a far cry from, you know, when you took over an Oregon team that was already kind of humming and, like, had it going and had a lot of things, you know, going right for it, and then he kind of brought his little, you know, his offensive mind to it and put that tweak on an already up-tempo system that, was, that just sort of put it over the top. This is the complete opposite of that, and it's going to take a while. It is going to take a while. Yeah, but you say stay the course. He's shown enough success. But, again, it'll be interesting to kind of follow them over the course of the year to see if they can show any improvement. Uh, next up, let's take, speaking of Oregon, let's take them at home against Portland State. Uh, your classic Oregon against an overmatched opponent game. Uh, they got theirs 62-14 to 14 winners. Uh, here's my favorite thing about this game is that down uh, 30-something points in the fourth quarter, more than that, Portland State on their last touchdown drive ran like a double pass, a throwback to oh. to a wide open guy, and it set up their uh, last touchdown of the game. But I love that they're like, we're not going to save this. <laughs> like we're gonna, we're going to break this out now, just because screw them for running it up on us. I think they can correctly assume that the teams that will be playing in conference this year, those coaching staffs, are not sufficiently motivated to be watching the fourth quarter of the Oregon game in preparation (laughs) for their Portland state game. Like that's not going to do them much good, you know, to be frank, like, yeah, that's just not going to do like the UC Davis coaching staff, a lot of good to to look at that tape because UC Davis doesn't have Oregon's athletes or, you know, or money or any, anything really um, to, to use as a a gauge. So I I think it's a pretty safe bet that Portland state is going to, you know, their, their future opponents in conference are, are still unaware of that. Yeah. Well, I was thinking that throwback play, you ought to be running it at least three times a season anyway. That one where it like looks like a bubble screen, but the wide receiver steps back. And then all of a sudden, because it like takes the heat off of all your like flat passes, you know, for the entire year. Yeah. Like, because you, you got, you know, you all of a sudden the safety has to sit back there and honor the other guy. Like, so yeah, I was really thinking strategy wise, it's an okay one to burn. That, I mean, that was UW ran that play with Dante, to Dante Pettis like regularly for years. It was it was just one of the plays that got called. Yeah, and it was effective. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> uh, next, Utah, Northern Illinois, DeKalb. I'll tell you what, we had a little ball game going on here in the, in the uh, fourth quarter. It was seven to six. Uh, wow. Utah gets a field goal to go to ten to six, but within like three minutes into the game. Uh, Northern Illinois has the, three minutes left to go in the game. Northern Illinois has the ball at midfield, you know, and if they score a touchdown, they've beaten a Utah team that was pretty abysmal on offense in this game. But the other thing happened, Utah got a pick six to, uh, what do I want to say? Seal it rather than steal it. Uh, because they were deserved winners. But I mean, a, a game that Kyle Whittingham, I, I think said as much, he was like, I don't know why this was scheduled. Uh, that, you know, it wasn't something that he, you know, wanted to do. Uh, but Utah, not looking like the most formidable, uh, offensive opponent, but good defense for them. You know, you hold another team to six points. You're doing an okay job. I don't know what Kyle Whittingham's complaining about. That dude's been the head coach of Utah for like 60 years. There's no way 
he wasn't in on the decision to schedule this game. Uh, you know, I mean, what? That, what's your problem? If they get two Northern Illinois home dates out of this, then I'd say it's a f- fair trade. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think we all were wondering what to get, why the game was scheduled. But Kyle Whittingham has been at Utah for a long time. I can't imagine this got scheduled like behind his back. Yeah. Uh, no way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, really not much to say about that game other than, I mean, it was just like, it was garbage. It was brutal watching. And I I actually found myself watching a bit of the second half because it was close. Hoping for a, a a peak of DeKalb. I wanted it. And you want to know what my favorite part about that game was from DeKalb? Pac-12 team coming in night game in the Mac. Uh, you know, uh, not a full stadium. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> People in DeKalb had like they had other plans. Olive Garden, I bet you was jumping. Off. Yeah. Oh, are you kidding me? Uh, next up, we had Oregon State at home against Southern Utah. Uh, not, I mean, as Oregon State was a better team, good for Jonathan Smith to get his first win. Uh, now, at, in the Week One game against Ohio State, I was amazed at the production. I think 180 something yards for Artavis Pierce, including two monster touchdown runs. Yeah. Well, there's another one to deal with. They have another. He had, I mean, he had 8.3 yards of carry in this game. You know, 91 yards and a touchdown. Jamar Jefferson, 22 carries, 238 yards, 11 yards of carry, four touchdowns, a couple running backs in Corvallis. Yeah. I mean, and I, is Jamar Jefferson just a backup who got a lot of run because the game got out of hand early and, you know, John Smith doesn't want to, didn't want, you know, Artavis Pierce to get, you know, it, it's entirely feasible that Artavis Pierce was a little sore ever after having played Ohio State. Yeah. Um, is this the backup or is this sort of like a thunder and lightning scenario? I What's think the- I've, uh, well, my my sense is that we have a thunder and lightning scenario in Corvallis. We've got a, we've got a Ken Simonton, uh, Stephen, whatever his name was thing. What was that guy's name? Stephen Jackson, the running back for the Rams forever. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I think yeah. they, they were like, he was briefly there with Ken Simonton, I think. Yeah. I'll, I accept that as fact. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. That's a positive. You know, Oregon State, they don't get, they don't win a lot recently. Good for them to get a resounding win at home in front of the fans. Uh, they yeah, yeah. They need it. And, and apparently, you know, have had two guys that showed kind of like jump off the box score sort of games. Yeah. Uh, next up, California and BYU. How much was Cal favored in this game, or were they? They were not. BYU was a favorite. Why did I take BYU? That was dumb. Uh, Cal, Justin Wilcox, just a businessman, taking care of his non-conference like he's been doing ever since he was named the head coach of California. Uh, 21-18 to winners. Uh, Again, just like Utah and Northern Illinois, uh, not, not the greatest thing in the world to watch. Not the greatest thing in the world to watch. Another game that if you're – I mean, Jonathan Smith has every right to be upset with how his first-year schedule was set up. Uh, Wilcox now in his second year. You know, why is he going to be – or, yeah, to BYU to play a game? Um, that seems odd to me, but, I, you know, maybe, I guess. Uh, Cal's got some good young players. They're going to be – in a couple of years, you know, if they keep it going, that's going to be a pretty talented squad. And they're not quite there yet. You know, they can't – they don't have the quarterback situation quite figured out, as you alluded to in last week. Um, and some of their – you know, they got some younger guys. But 
they look good, man. They, you know, they've taken care of business two weeks in a row against, you know, opponents who we know who they are. And that's, you know, all you can ask for a, a team that's rebuilding. Yeah. Their, their quarterback they've been starting now, this guy's last name is Garbers. And I was thinking yeah. that's like a good verb, you know, like for the way he goes about his business, just gar- Garber and left and right. Yeah. Garber cat. <laughs> they did. I think he scored a touchdown on the ground in that game. Uh, keep track of Garbers. Uh, Cougarinos hosted San Jose state in a night game in Pullman. I, I was thinking about this as I was driving home from the Washington game this weekend. Like how brutal is it? If you're like a Spokane Cougar fan and they're running a night, a night, you know, like against San Jose state, why isn't this game at 1230? Yeah. Cause he kicked at eight. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's disgusting. Like you're not getting home until two, three in the morning from that thing. Yeah, and, and WS, I think Pullman doesn't really have the hotel facilities for everybody. It's a big problem. So, I, I mean, I think a lot of people, there's no choice but to stay in Spokane. And what's that drive? An hour? Comfy. Easily an hour. I think it's like a buck and a half. Yeah, that's that's no good. I mean, the game wasn't that great. WSU won 31 nothing. Probably could have won by a lot more, but also probably weren't that interested. Um in you know, just San Jose State's terrible, and they got up, you know, got up early, and it's it, as you said, it was super late. The, the crowd probably wasn't overly excited, you know, and so I, I don't take anything out of the fact they didn't beat them by more. It's, you know, they beat them by as many as they needed to. KP on that drive, uh, guess I want to say, one hour thirty one minutes. Yeah, that's that's the only thing you learn from spending uh, hard years over there for law school and driving down to Poland twice for games. There you go. Uh, Get the skin. Um. So who? Else? What other games do we want to do? Now I kind of like save good ones. Well, let's talk about USC and Stanford. Well, it certainly wasn't a good game. It's a good. You're game. right. Yeah, you're yeah. right. <laughs> you're right. I mean, it was Stanford won seventeen to three. USC. I mean, I don't know what you expect if you're USC and you roll out a true freshman quarterback. Like, I really don't. That I watched that JT Daniel guys play, and I, I certainly can see the tools, you know, for a, a future great college quarterback. But in no way, shape, or form, if I was a USC fan, having watched him, you know, in the spring, or if I had the opportunity to watch him in fall camp, would I have been like, this is a guy who can take us to a BCS-level kind of a season in year one. Like, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, you watched Kyler Murray at Oklahoma, and he's, like, transcendent. You know, he's, like, a different level athlete, which is why he was drafted in the first round of the you know, Major League Draft or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, JT Daniels is a, a very USC-looking pocket passer quarterback. And, you know, those guys, just when they're 18 years old, that's super, you know, it's hard to learn all of that and get, you know, have it all locked and loaded. I'm sure he'll be great by the time he's a junior, but this year – He's going to struggle, and Stanford has a good defense. USC looked terrible on offense. Stanford scored 17 points, more than enough to win, comfortably covered. You know, like, easy as you like. Yeah, I mean, Stanford goes into the half up two scores, and that's, like, exactly how they kill you, is they're they're just going to, you know, hold the ball a lot, you know, not, not particularly do a ton with it, but they're just built to grind out once they have a lead. I did see at some point, I believe Stanford's one of the Stanford stud offensive linemen, Foster Sorrell from local boy just down the road here, um, appeared to hurt himself, uh, hurt his knee or his leg and was out 
of the game after that and came back on the field and crutches kind of a thing, like, you know, and wrapped. It'll be interesting to see if that's a long-term, I haven't seen anything, but if that's a long-term issue for them, um, that would be too bad because he's a good player. Uh, and I mean, he's young still, he's a sophomore, but uh, he's got with him and Walker Little on that line. I mean, they've got some pretty fantastic pieces um, to build around. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, this game kind of went as it was supposed to go. Uh, in terms of, let's get into the actual good games and then Washington, which was what we'll finish with. But uh, let's start off with Colorado at Nebraska. We're getting the Big 12 back together. I know these schools have both left the conference in subsequent years, but this is, a, you know, this is like great 90s college football, like two programs that had it rolling back then. Uh, and a killer game, you know, yeah. where Colorado right. goes up early, Nebraska comes back, Nebraska takes the lead, and then uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, they're just trading scores, you know, and then you get Steven Montez, a huge touchdown to LaVisca Chenault Jr., who backed up, I think he had 200 yards receiving in week one, and we're like, okay, that's pretty good. We'll keep an eye on this guy. But it was against Colorado State, and we saw them. They were bad defense against Hawaii. He goes out against Nebraska, and we don't know what kind of defense they have, but he caught 10 balls for 177 yards and a touchdown. Also scored another one uh, inside the five. They just ran the Chenault Cat uh, for a touchdown. This guy is, you know, like an early, you know, making his statement for Offensive Player of the Year. He apparently was rumored to be the you know potential breakout player of the year uh, preseason. I, I remember I was listening to the Audible podcast, another fine uh, audio experience, and Bruce Feldman was saying that he pre you know was talked to Matt, Mike McIntyre preseason was told that he believed that you know that this guy might just blow up. Apparently, he had offers from like the likes of Alabama coming out of the state of Texas, um, you know, just my question is, where was this dude last year? He had seven receptions last year for 170 yards. Um, that doesn't seem like anywhere near enough. And then, I mean, maybe they were just keeping him under wraps, but apparently, you know, he could start at, at running back or, you know, what, you know, Feldman was saying that they, McIntyre told him that they could play him at any position, basically in the field. He's that good. Um, so, you know, it doesn't seem to be a fluke. And I think we both, you know, we were talking last week about Nebraska not getting to play their first game. I think that probably cost them this win. Um, you know, Nebraska, you know, Nebraska is probably the more talented team on balance, but you know, with the first, you know, first year coach and having your game canceled the week before and Colorado apparently has some talent this year. Uh, Montez looks way better than he did last year. Yeah. Um, he looked lost at times last year. Yeah, he looked, he took a huge step back last year. He looked really good as a freshman, and I think in his you know early in his career, um, and then last year he just didn't look that great. But they got it going now, and and so I mean, good for the Buffs. Good for the Buffs. Good for the Sun Devils of Arizona State. They hosted Michigan State in uh, Sun Devil Stadium, where. Ranked Big Ten teams go to die. You remember they controversially beat Wisconsin a handful of years back on a game yeah. where, like, the refs wouldn't spot the ball again for some reason. Uh, Arizona State, 16. Michigan State, 13. A game where Michigan State was up in the second half by 10 points. Arizona State came roaring back to tie the game. Low scoring. Arizona State's defense was great. You get the big touchdown in the fourth quarter from Nikhil Harry. 
uh, from Manny Wilkins. And yeah, they get the field goal at the end. They drive it down. Herm Edwards. Herm Edwards. Let me tell you who doesn't have as big a non-conference scalp as Herm Edwards in his tenure at a Pac-12 school. Chris Peterson. Yeah. Like he doesn't have a win outside of conference That's that compares to what Herm Edwards just did in his mere second opportunity to coach a game. First time to coach a big game. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's a genius, dude. He's a genius. And you had referenced, uh, well, not Feldman, but uh, Stuart Mandel, uh, who is the head guy at the Athletics uh, College Football Coverage. Yeah. Uh, the tweet I saw from that day said, Herm Edwards just beat Mark D'Antonio in his second game at ASU, and maybe he really is a genius, and I can't believe I'm typing this. Believe yeah. it. Yeah, but and he's also the other half of the, the Audible podcast with Bruce Feldman. Okay, that he talked to, uh, you know, he talked to Herm Edwards after the game, and Edwards was saying he left the stadium at like twelve thirty that night and was back at four o'clock the next morning because he wanted to watch all the tape of the game so that, but when the assistant coaches all showed up, he wasn't going to be slowing them down, having not having reviewed it already. And and you know, his point was. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Like that sounds right. You know, like, like he's it's not even like the things that Herm Edwards is saying sound wacky anymore. He was like, Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm just gonna put in NFL hours on these college guys. They don't know. Yeah. They don't know. Because that was like the knock on Spurrier, is that like when he went to coach in Washington, uh, that like he likes to play golf, you know, and he's not gonna be one of these guys who lives at the office. Herm Edwards knows no other way. I mean, Sports Illustrated, I think, did a whole thing on Bob Stoops years ago about, or you know, about how he drops his kids off for school at eight o'clock. He doesn't require his assistant coaches to, you know, be there eighty hours a week, and that yet they still make it go, kind of thing, you know. And yeah. I don't. I don't it doesn't sound like Herm Edwards plays that game. No, he's like, great. I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have forty extra hours of game prep on you in your in our week. <laughs> what a guy! What a guy, dude. What a guy. And then he had this great quote uh, that I want to highlight talking about his, you know, just the just the, the other level that he's on. And he says, yeah. most college coaches want to score. They always think points are the thing. That's where it gets away from them, I think. <laughs> I love it, dude. You, you know what? He's saying to every other college fo- coach, you don't even know what game you're playing. Yeah. You don't. You don't even know the point of the game. He said the point of the you. game before, yeah. and I'm not going to tell you what the point is. I'm just going to tell you that you don't know the point. Yeah, I mean, you can go back in the Herm Edwards lexicon. Another thing that he's much like he's a joke, you know, whatever. But you know, this famously says, "You play to win the game." Yeah, he's not. And then, and then the other thing I was thinking about when I saw that quote is like, you remember when Chip Kelly was in Philadelphia? There was a great clip of like. Him and Nick Foles on the sideline, and Nick Foles goes up to him, what's the plan? And Chip goes, fucking score points. What's your plan? And and I was, you know, and everybody was like, oh, man, Chip Kelly, God damn it, he's so singularly focused. He, you know, he washed out of the NFL. He was focused on the wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah, he was. It's where it got away from him. Absolutely. Uh, I, I fucking love Herm, man. This guy, may I, I hope he never loses a college game. Now, except for in two weeks when he plays us. Yeah, it's going to be devastating to UW season if that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
they're good anyway. Like, you know, but now they yeah. got this, uh, an absolute wizard apparently pulling the strings over there. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Washington, you ready uh, to talk about the worst 40 to five, 45 to three win that has ever been played? No. <laughs> Washington takes yeah. care of North Dakota, 45 to three in a game where, you know, we make fun of it with other teams. So we got to be fair and make fun of it with Washington. Washington padding that margin in the fourth quarter there, 21-0 to zero in the fourth quarter to get the score up to respectable so that if you don't look at the box score, you say, oh, Washington won 45-3. Good job rebounding from Auburn. They looked like garbage in the first, like, two-thirds of that game. They looked completely disinterested. Yeah. There's, I mean, no, there's really nothing else to say. Like, they looked they looked like they were playing in slow motion because they they didn't care. Yeah, they, they looked like they didn't care. Jake Browning throws two interceptions in this game and, I mean, just generally looked like trash. You know, I mean, what's fun, it's funny that he ends up throwing two interceptions in the game because when he wasn't throwing interceptions, he looked like the thing that he was most concerned with in the world, even more so than completing passes, was avoiding interceptions because he was not letting it rip in this game. It's like you would see open receivers and you feel like Jake had to, like, see them open, they would have to blink something to uh, each other in Morse code, and when it was confirmed that they were going to remain open, he would consider throwing the ball. Yeah. Like, it, everything was just so, it was like molasses. Yeah, it was brutal. I, I, don't, I don't have anything positive to add about I mean, the defense is really good. Like, yeah. that's, again, the defense is great and can carry Washington a long ways. If Washington shows up next week in Utah and plays the way they did on Saturday, they're going to lose by double digits. By double digits, yep. I, I agree with that. Even as bad as Utah's looked. Uh, so, how did we do on picks yeah. last week? You did amazing. Utah doesn't always score double digits. Yeah, that's the <laughs> truth. That's the truth. You had yourself a week. How did you do on picks last week? I did well. I went 10-1. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. Buy, buy a new car with that. Got to be the best week of my picking games career in the 10 years we've been doing this. I tell you, I got hornswoggled mm-hmm. by Arizona. I mean, they're on the list. They're like, they're on probation now. I was, you can't lose to BYU. You can't do it. You it can't. Just doesn't, it doesn't compute. Yep, I agree with that. I mean, and then you got uh, Oklahoma. You lo- We all lost that one, but... Did we really? You know, Oklahoma was going to win by as many as they wanted to. They yeah. missed They missed a 30-point spread by two points. Like, what are you going to do? Uh, and then... And then you went right back to the BYU well. Yeah. They <laughs> look good in that first week. I forget who they played. I forget who they played, but didn't they, like, beat somebody last week? Two weeks ago? Arizona. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's what I'm saying after week one. You can't lose to BYU. That's unacceptable. BYU is no good. I can't pick them under any circumstance. And you're like, not only am I going to pick them, but wait till we get to later in the, in the show and BYU's playing another Pac-12 team. I'm going to take BYU. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, I went 8-3, and three, which was a vast improvement for me. I had a rough first week. That's uh, a, I mean, that's a stellar week in any, like, you know. For us, that's, that's a really good week. That is a good week. Uh, Worm also goes 8-3. and three. Dirty Worm, friend of the show. Uh, and now, I guess let's go ahead and talk about next week's games. I do want to clown Dirty Worm for texting us two minutes into the Nebraska game and saying that his observations from the game were that Scott Frost is going to win a lot of games. And I immediately 
went to the app to look, expecting Nebraska to be up like 14 nothing, and saw that it was like 12 minutes left in the first quarter and the score was 0-0. And I was like, what? How did he discern that from this, from this, you know, <laughs> his observations from this three minutes. I must have, I must, I gotta go back and watch that, I guess. The man wears a hat well. He does. Uh, so let's start off with UC Davis and Stanford. No line in the game, which is great for us. Uh, yeah. Everybody's going to take Stanford. Saw a note that I think Bryce Love has some undisclosed injury that's going to actually keep him out of this game. Well, this would be the game to do it because I don't think UC Davis has the horses to stick with Stanford. Uh, San Jose State is traveling to Oregon. Oregon uh, doing a feel-good preseason. They are completely doing that, and I bet they're going to win. I bet so, too. They are prepping for Stanford at home next week. Yeah, real real soft landing for Oregon into the season. Yeah, it is. Uh, speaking of soft landings, we got your 2-0. and Colorado Buffaloes are hosting New Hampshire. No line. What a great... What a great game. I kind of want to watch that, to be honest, just to just to see what a New Hampshire football team looks like. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll take Colorado, though. I believe they're going to win. They're going to win, and they, and you don't have to – they've got to win by one. Yeah. For this to happen. The undefeated California Bears are hosting the Bobcats of Idaho State. Uh, uh-huh. Idaho State, uh, they're like a sneaky big sky team sometimes, but I'll take Cal. Yeah, we get a lot of no-line games. We actually have more no-line games this week than we do have games that have a line. So we should we should be on in, we, the, in the winning side of things this week is, is how I feel about that. Here's a game with a line. Oregon State, Nevada. At Nevada. At Nevada. A Nevada team that they invented the pistol over there. People use that. That's correct. Uh, you know, Nevada three and a half. I don't know anything about Nevada this year. I'm going to be honest. Uh, Portland State by more points than Oregon did, I think. And then they lost to Vanderbilt. That's what I'll tell you about them. I typed an N based on your first fact and deleted it based on your second fact. Now I don't know what to think. Um, I'll, I'm going to take Nevada. I like Oregon State's running game, man. I'm not going to go away from Jamar and Artavis. I know that that to me is a winning formula. And a pick up and a pick em game, like where I don't know what's going on. And I mean, Nevada minus three and a half. Being at home means they got those points for being at home, probably. Yeah. So all things being equal, Vegas just can't decide between the Wolfpack and the Beavers. Give me the give me those those stud running backs. How about that passing combination of Ty Gangi to McLean Mannix? Those are good names. Those are very good names. There's really good names this year in college football. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go USC traveling to Texas where your ranked Trojans are three and a half point dogs to a Texas team that like hasn't been good in the 10 years they got their own TV network. <laughs> Yeah, that's really a that's really an under uh, underreported on fact, which you would think they could report plenty on that having their own network. Yeah, um, is that they founded this network, and they're supposedly like the second most valuable college athletic program or brand. Um, they have lost to Maryland, and then squeaked out a twenty twenty one win over Tulsa. 
How that, are they favored? That is, is incredible. There's no way. I'm, I'm taking it. I know I talked a bunch of shit about SC having a, a freshman quarterback, and they still have a freshman quarterback. But come on. They lost to Maryland and then beat Tulsa by seven? Yeah. What's Tulsa's story? Tulsa's the, the world beater this year? Is that what I'm to understand? Yeah. I don't think that's true. Tulsa, yeah, beat a team, UCA. I don't even know who that is. Legitimately do not know who that is. Central Arkansas Bears, yeah. They beat the Central Arkansas Bears by 11. Who did? Tulsa. Okay. And then lost to Texas by 7. That's not... Potentially uh, a uniform team of Bears. I'm into it. For all we know. With, yeah. Yeah, it could be. I know nothing about Central Arkansas, like, geographically. I wasn't aware <laughs> Arkansas was big enough to have a central part of it, to be frank with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there, yeah, what, what are we talking about? There's Little Rock, and then there's not Little Rock. What are mm-hmm. we doing trying to pretend like we got regions? Mm-hmm. We got, you want to know something that I don't know about uh, Arkansas? I don't know what the Ozarks are. I don't know if they're hills, if it's like some kind of water system. I think they're mountains, right? Hills are mountains. I that you're probably right. I just I just was thinking about that. I don't I couldn't say exactly. I think they're mountains and I think they might also be a brand of bottled water. That's what I think. <laughs> that or moonshine or something. Uh, Eastern Washington is traveling to Washington State. No love lost between these programs. Eastern Washington, I, want, I mean, I know they haven't lost yet, but talk to me. i got to look up what have they been doing this year. This is a game you got to pay some attention to every year. And this yep. is also a game that nobody outside the state of Washington would ever even understand is like a dogfight for the Cougs. Yeah. <laughs> How would you know? Yeah, I mean, they've uh, Eastern, Thump Central – just a layup for them. And then yeah. one on the road against Northern Arizona. Who The thing about these FCS schools is like, sometimes they're good. But not always. Now, okay. Yeah, and then they're going to the Cougarinos. Okay, that makes sense. Um. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, Eastern has been... Uh, even with Washington's ascendance, you'd still have to say uh, in this millennium, the gold standard Washington football program, because they won a national championship and got to the national championship game, I believe, on another occasion. Yeah. They're yeah. like, they win over there. Who you got? Uh, no line in the game. Yeah. Cougs are showing me enough, man. They're like really, to me, uh, have, you know... They won 31 to 0 against San Jose State. To me, that's a better win than Washington's over uh North Dakota because they did their work early. And then like they just I mean, you know, you lose Luke Falk, uh you lose uh you know, you thought you were going to have Tyler Holinsky coming back and he obviously didn't come back. Uh and like they they just look like the same team. They lost their defensive coordinator. Uh they look like the same team, you know? The the same team that's going to win you you know, potentially nine games over the course of the year. They like don't look like they've dropped off. I disagree with that. I, they don't look quite as good to me, but I, I don't think they're going to lose to Eastern. I don't think so either, but, you know, famous last words. 
Uh, Arizona State traveling to San Diego State. Arizona State in the polls. Five-point favorites against San Diego State team that at least for a second tried to give Stanford a game. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm in too deep on the Herm train now. Uh, well, I mean, you got me on the Herm train last week, and now I'm I'm auditioning for roles. Like, I want employment. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. like, he's like the secret right now, the Pac-12, kind of like how Khalil Tate was for a couple of games last yeah. year, you know? Like, before word got out that Khalil Tate was just an absolute world-beater monster, you know? Like, because you had to watch his games on Pac-12 Network. And, like, right now, only really if you're paying attention to the Pac-12 do you know that Herm Edwards might be the best coach. I've seen some some tweets this week of Arizona State's D-line just blowing up Michigan State's offensive line, like just blowing them up. And that was enough for me to be like, I don't know that San Diego State's going to have a better offensive line than Michigan State did. So I feel I feel comfortable with my Arizona State selection here. Uh, I'm I'm 95% sure my son just came up to the door downstairs where we're recording the podcast and then got scared and ran back upstairs because he didn't want to get caught out of his bedroom. But you'll always have that 5% of doubt. Yeah, it's enough. Yeah. <laughs> as long as I don't hear, like, machines turning on, you know, like the washer dryer or, like, a hair dryer or a vacuum cleaner, I'm not moving. Okay. <laughs> this is going to get sorted out. Yeah. Be safe. That kid is just, he just, he does just try and kill himself all the time. Uh, next up, we got Fresno State against UCLA. Fresno, one point favorites. I just, I just checked on this, and it's, that's right. <laughs> like, yeah. Fresno, occasionally okay. Tedford's still there, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And he was like, they were they were okay last year. Marcus uh, McMar- McMarion, whatever his name is, the former Ohio or uh, Oregon State quarterback at the helm. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they won games last year. They were... They're favored. They were a ten win team last year. They're favored at at UCLA. Give me the Bulldogs. I believe UCLA will get off the map for this and win. That's what I think. All right. And then Arizona and Southern Utah. What a crummy slate of games this week. It's not very good, yeah. It's not. But, like, all these games suck. We got the yeah. only good one. I mean, USC and Texas, but I'm only intri- – I would never watch that game if I didn't know that Texas wasn't, you know, favored, you know. Those are big names, but bad football. That is bad football. Southern Utah and Arizona. Give me Arizona to get going in this game. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, and then let's talk about Washington and Utah. Two teams that looked underwhelming last week. Utah escaping on the road against Northern Illinois. UW, uh, <coughs> again, a horrendous-looking blowout against North Dakota that, you know, was false, really. Yeah, it was false. It was the, a terrible 42-point win, uh, which is funny to say, but it's true. Uh, but, yeah, so, I mean, we're, we're all going to pick UW to win the game. Um, I guess I just want to talk about what I want to see. And I'm thinking back to Portland State doing the throwback pass uh, to the flats, right? Yeah. And just just as a general matter, uh, I want to see the ball getting out to our playmakers and letting them do things on the side, whether that be through 
bubble screens, whether that be through uh, jet sweeps, which we've employed successfully in the past that I, I just haven't seen a ton of this year. Uh, and I mean, like normally with these early games, you know, with, with Auburn, I don't care that we looked rough cause that's a good defense with North Dakota. I'm tremendously concerned at our inability to just push them around and have miles Gaskin run for 250 yards or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, so to, uh, and I understand we've had O-line injuries again, uh, that, uh, Nick Harris got hurt that, uh, Trey Adams is apparently, you know, out for the year, but it shouldn't matter against North Dakota. So the way you, the way you fix that is, uh, you have to make your plays originate from multiple points. Okay. And this is something I talk about all the time, but like if in a classic, like I formation drop back thing, if you know that the ball is always going to start from the point, you know, five yards behind center, then you key on that. And if your O-line is not great, which Washington's hasn't shown it is this year, then it's easy for teams to just kind of tee off and attack that point. The The reason you throw a bubble screen or the reason you do a jet sweep is you give your playmakers a chance to make a play out there, sure. But what you're also doing is setting up all the normal stuff you want to run because people can't just pin their ears back and run straight to the middle of the field, you know, where the ball normally starts. You have to scare them a little bit. Think about something else is going might happen, you know? And uh, this goes into something you've been talking about, I think, for two weeks, is that... Savon Ahmed needs the ball. Those are the perfect sort of plays to get him the ball. Chico McClatcher looks healthy. Great sort of guy to give the ball there. And, I mean, it, it you, you just make the defense defend more of the field. Because right now, whatever we're trying to do ain't happening. Yeah, I, I feel like in, in addition to Browning being a little more hesitant than we were all hoping, which against, you know, even against North Dakota didn't really work. because. Yeah. Because, you know, he it wasn't that effective. Um, it's certainly not going to work against Utah, who has, you know, a very good defense. Um, I don't know if it's as good as UW's, but it's close. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to be able to get away with that. And so what I just want to see is I just want to see him plant his back foot and drive the ball to his intended receiver. Yeah. You know? Like, just go ahead and, you, you know, trust that your your talent. Like, when, when he came out of high school, he was so good that, he never questioned himself for a second. And as a true freshman, they didn't let him do a lot. But yeah. but when he was a sophomore, he still had that belief of, like, I'm really good. And you could see it. He threw the ball over the lot. And then he yeah. got hurt. And it was, you know, wasn't able to do it. And I think Alabama messed him up mentally. Um, and then last year, you know, it was sort of hit or miss. And this year, it's just he doesn't look confident driving the ball to his receiver. And it's like, man, just just let, let go. Like, you're not going to get this senior year over again. Just let it, you know, and you're not really going to get replaced by Jake Hayner, right? Like that's yeah, something would have to go horribly wrong for that to happen. So yeah. just cut loose and play football. And if he does that, UW has plenty of offensive weapons. The receiving core, you know, Ty Jones looks fantastic. Quentin Pounds looks amazing. Um, Chico McClatcher, like you mentioned, is there. The, the young tight end, Kate Otten, looks good. He's got Aaron Fuller looks great. I mean, the, the receivers – Savon Ahmed needs the ball. Like, there's, he should be having trouble picking who to get the ball to because they're all good options. It shouldn't. It that should be his hangup. Nothing else. Um, and and if he's able to do that, Washington should win this game because Utah's offense hasn't looked great. 
and UW's defense should be able to keep them, you know, out of the end zone pretty consistently. But man, it's going to be a rough game if if you know if UW can't play offense and Utah can't play offense. This this is going to be a you know, and then it becomes maybe a special teams war, and, I, and I'm here to tell you, UW's not going to win a special teams war this year. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that 100. percent I mean, and that's all the more I really have to add to that. So, for right. Eric, <laughs> this is Warren. This is has been eligible receivers. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Keep on